0: Welcome to the More Sure Word Podcast with Pastor Matt Russell, teaching and explaining the Word of God verse by verse for your spiritual growth. Here's Pastor Matt with today's sermon. Let's begin with prayer together. Lord, thank you for this time, and thank you that we get to open our Word, Your Word, together. Um, I just pray that through it we would grow to love you. We'd grow to cherish you tonight. That we'd be encouraged by what you wrote through John. Prepare our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say. And Lord, help me. Help me to speak the truth. Help me to bring it clearly and accurately. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Please open your Bibles to the letter of 1 John. As you know, we've been working through 1 John. And so, let's turn there together. As you're turning there, I want to tell you about an interesting survey that was taken by a popular news station. And they were taking a survey of people to find out the answer to one question. What is God like? What is God like? And they had to give an answer in one word. And they surveyed a wide range of people. There were 8 words that were repeated most often. Some of them were pretty good, some of them were pretty bad. The words that were the 8 words that were most commonly answered to the question what is god like were god is fiction, god is non-existent, god is almighty, god is imaginary, god is amazing, god is creator. God is awesome. God is everything. I ask you, what would you say if you had to give a one-word answer? What is God like? Love. God is love. Almighty. God is almighty. That was a popular one. God is just. Okay. God is indescribable. God is hope. It's good. It's a difficult question, right? Because God has many perfections. And so you're forced to choose one. And maybe your answer would be different, different given the situation. Maybe if you were in a room full of people who didn't believe that God created, you'd say, God is creator. Maybe if you were in a room full of people who believed that God was a horrible, evil dictator, you'd say God is love. But here's another interesting question. What are his followers like? Because those who say they most know God should resemble him, should they not? Those who say they're his children should look like him, the father, We should be able to look at His followers and know something about Him. What might someone say about God from looking at your life? It's a tough question. It's a question that the believers in Asia Minor were wrestling with because the false teachers were telling them all sorts of things about what God was like and about His followers, what they should look like. They said that they knew God best. They had the secret knowledge. But their teaching and their lives were radically different than what the apostles had said. And so if you remember, John wrote to them to bring them the assurance of the truth. To let them know that they could have confidence in their eternal life in Christ Jesus. They needed to be reminded of who the true God is. They needed to be reminded of what the people who follow him are actually like. How can we know what God is like? How can we know we have a relationship with Him? How do we know what His followers look like? How do we know if our relationship with Him is unbroken? Read with me 1 John 1, 5 through 5-9. John says this, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you, that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, And yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we don't have any sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In 1 John 1, 5-9, I want us to see three encouraging reminders that guard our fellowship with God. John gives three encouraging reminders that will protect our fellowship with Him. Keep us in the right way. Remind us of how to stay in close, unbroken relationship with God. And we have to begin with Him, with God. If we're going to know what it means to be His follower, for to know what fellowship with Him looks like, we need to know Him. And John knew that. And so he begins with his first encouragement, and that is that God is pure light. In verse 5, God is pure light. Look at verse 5 again. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. The believers in Asia Minor needed to remember that. But what does that mean? What is light? What do you mean, John? What do you mean that God is light? I I don't really understand what you mean by that. Light light. Has significant meaning in the Bible. It runs all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And there are three major themes that are connected to the idea of light. The first is glory, that God is glorious. Psalm 104, verse 1 says, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a cloak. God is glorious. When we say God is light, he is glorious. The Old Testament says that God, no no man can see God and live. God is blinding light, a consuming fire. But the second theme is that God is truth. Light is associated with truth. It shows what is real. It shows reality. It clears up the darkness so that we can know what is true. Psalm 36 verse 9 says, For for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see truth. Isaiah 49 talks about the Messiah is going to be a light to the Gentiles. That is, he's going to show them the way of salvation. We know that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But the third theme, and the one that I believe John is most focusing on here, is holiness. Holiness. In verses 5 through 9, John repeatedly talks about sin. And he contrasts darkness with light. Evil with holiness. John 3, Jesus said, The light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Here John is contrasting light with dark, holiness with evil. And he loves to speak in ways where he gives the positive assertion and then he gives the negative assertion. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. Emphatic. It's as though He's saying there is not one tiny, itty-bitty shred of evil in God. He is so holy that at times we can't even fathom His holiness. We could always grow in our understanding of His holiness. It's when we focus on His holiness that we really begin to see ourselves in a true light. When we hold ourselves up in his light, we see all the dirt that is on us clearly. And John needed to tell them, look, God is absolutely holy. What does this mean for men and women like us? What does the holiness of God mean for us? How does the holiness of God affect us? We should be holy. That means we can trust him because he doesn't do anything wrong. That's good, that's an encouragement. God is holy. There is no evil in him. And we'll see that how that comes back around in verse nine. Do you have any other ideas? An absolutely holy God. I think, how can I approach this God in a relationship? Not holy. How can I have a relationship with him? John continues with his second encouragement, which brings us great hope. The second encouragement is that Christians live daily in the light, verses 6 and 7. And he first needs to address the claim that the false teachers were having. Look again at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, that's what the false teachers were saying. We have fellowship with God. We know God. We have a relationship with God. We share in that eternal life. And yet, what was their life like? And yet, walk in the darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. John, what do you mean by walking in darkness? What does that mean, to walk in darkness? It's a Hebrew way of saying, the pattern of your life. Your walk is the pattern of your life. It's the daily course of your life. It's your nature. It's who you truly are. It's what the actions you do on a daily basis. It's the things you say on a daily basis. It's the thoughts you have on a daily basis. The desires of your heart. On a day-to-day basis, the goals of your life on a day-to-day basis. It's the obvious nature of your life, the course of your life, the pattern of your life. I remember when I went to Europe with my cousins, my grandma took us on a trip to Europe as a gift. And we went to Europe and us three teenagers from Southern California, we were wearing surfer type t-shirts and my... Cousins were blonde girls, and we were saying like this, like that. And every single restaurant we went into, we were trying to order hot dogs and hamburgers and pizza. And people were coming up to us and saying, You guys are from California, aren't you? We're like, Whoa. Not just the U.S., but California. Why? Why were they saying that? Because it was obvious in the way we talked, in the way we dressed, in the things we ordered. In the natural way we carried ourselves. This is what John's saying. If you say you know God, but the pattern of your life is evil, you're lying to yourself. You don't know God. You can't say you have a part in the fellowship of his eternal life. You can't say you have characteristics of God, that you have a relationship with him. if The pattern of your life doesn't show that you know him. But then John gives the encouragement, but verse seven, if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. Beloved little children, remember you who know God, you walk in the light, you pursue holiness. Your actions are holy. You talk holy, about holy things. You desire His holiness. You want to grow in His holiness. You want to pattern your life after your Father. And guess what? You have fellowship with one another. It's interesting that he says in verse 6, if you say you have fellowship with Him but walk in darkness, you're lying about having fellowship with Him. But then he says, if you walk in the light, he doesn't say you have fellowship with him. He says you have fellowship with one another. You'd expect him to say you have fellowship with him. It's implied. Why? Because a good indicator of if you know if the father is how you treat his children. We can know if someone has fellowship with God by the way that he treats the children of God. Or she treats the children of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will love the least of these. Which is to say, you will love my children. You will love other Christians. John says, if you walk in the light, then the fellowship you have with his children is a pure, loving, holy relationship. But at this point, if you're like me, you're thinking, you've just been stuck on... I don't walk in the light all the time. I'm not perfectly holy as God is perfectly holy. I I desire holiness. I desire to, to act holy, to speak holy. I want to be like Him. But there's times when I'm walking in the light and then I stumble on that path. Do you still stumble? Do you still sin sometimes? Do you still say that thing that you know you shouldn't have said? You still treat that person like you know you shouldn't have treated them. You still lie at times to get out of something or build yourself up. You still take something without asking, without when it's not yours. Look at what John says. It is so encouraging. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If you say you know God, then you will walk desiring holiness. The pattern of your life will be holy. The things you say will be holy. But even when we stumble, the perfect work of Christ, His shed blood, cleanses present tense John says it's still cleansing us of those sins that we commit in the walk Lord I'm walking in your holiness but then I stumble don't cast me out he won't cast us out because Jesus's blood cleanses us and keeps us in relationship with God Jesus's work is what keeps us in relationship with Him, not our work. It's still cleansing us. What a great hope. Does that not make you love the Lord more? Lord, I'm not perfect. Thank you that your blood is so sufficient to cover my sins past, present, and the ones that I know I'll still commit. Lord, thank you that your work Keeps me in relationship with you and the Father. But what do we do at times still? We still hide our sin from God. Right? At times we still think, uh oh, God is holy. I'm a Christian, so I need to be holy like Him. I got to cover this up. I got to ignore it. And so John brings. The third encouragement, Christians bring sin to the light, verses 8 and 9. And again, he addresses what the false teachers were saying. Look at verse 7 or 8. If we say that we have no sin, present tense. If we say, I don't have sin in my life anymore. You're deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in you. That's the reality. There were people who were saying, God is so holy. Well, I'll get around that by saying, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly holy too. I don't sin anymore. I've reached perfection. John says, no. You're deceiving yourself. Literally, you're telling your mind something that's untrue until you believe it and the truth is not in you. What truth, John? Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53.6, All like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Jeremiah 17.9, The heart is desperately wicked above all things. Romans 3.10, There is none righteous. No, not even one. It's clear. Every person sinned. Every person sins still but some people try to reason around it by saying no I don't sin anymore and maybe you don't say that out loud to people to God I don't sin anymore but what are some ways that we act like that's true of us what are some ways that even though we don't say it out loud we show that to be the case in our life, trying to, it and not think about it. trying to ignore sin. Oh well, doesn't really matter. I'll make light of it. It's not important. God doesn't care. He'll still accept me. What else? We try to justify it. Try to justify it. Well, I did a lot of good stuff today too. That should balance it out. Or, hmm, well, that's not really a sin because, you know, X, Y, and Z. What else? Hiding from other people? Hiding our sin from other people. Yeah. Not being open about who we really are. Not admitting to God that we've sinned. Coming to God like nothing's ever happened. What about just telling ourselves, you know what sin really looks like? It looks like that person. I'm not that bad, so I must be perfect. I'm good. So even though we don't say, like the false teachers were actually saying, I don't sin anymore, there's ways that we still act as though that very statement is true. And if we do that, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. But here comes the encouragement again. Here comes the glorious reminder in verse 9 of those who are God's children. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's so simple. We are afraid. Oh. Failed again. This is it. God's going to cast me out of his family. Out of this relationship. He's had enough of me. But in reality, John says, if we confess our sins, he forgives. He cleanses. What is this, John? To confess. To confess means to say the same thing about your sins that God says about your sins. It means to come before God and say, Lord... Your word says that what I did, what I thought, what I said, is so evil. And you know what, Lord? I humbly agree with you. That was evil of me. And that one sin, I agree with you, is enough to damn me to punishment forever. But Lord, Lord, Thank you for the perfect life of Christ. And thank you that Christ already paid for this sin. So I confess it to you. And I know you're faithful and righteous to forgive me of it. What great encouragement. That when we're walking in the light. Lord, I desire to be like you. I desire your holiness. I desire to say the things that you would have me say, to do the things you'd have me do. And then we find ourselves stumbling yet again. We shouldn't run from God. We should run to him quickly and say, Lord, I hate that sin like you hate it. Help me to love the things that you love. And I know you will cleanse me. You will forgive me. You'll treat me as though I never committed that sin. Why? Because you're faithful to uphold your promise. The promise you made in the shed blood of Christ. That His perfect life is given to me. And that He paid for the sin already. And I know that you are just. Which is to say, you always do the right thing. You hate sin. The wages of sin is death. Who's going to die for the sin that I committed? Me? But when I come to you in faith, you look to Christ and you you say, no, Christ died for that sin. I'm still holy. Christ paid for it. I poured out my wrath on Him. And I look at you and I see Christ's holiness. Our relationship's unbroken. And so we stand in the light because we stand in Christ. We stand in Christ, and because of Him, our fellowship is secure. And He's made a way for us that even when we do stumble in the path, His his blood goes on cleansing us. And when we do stumble in the path, He is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess it to Him. It's like this. We go about our Christian life walking on a path with a ditch on either side. God's light is shining only on the path and He's shining the way for us to live by His Word. And so we walk on that path and we walk in the light. But at times, we decide to step off the path to the right or to the left and we step into the darkness. We step into the ditch and we get muddy. But when we quickly run back to Him, and we step back into the light, not hiding, but stepping back into the light and saying, Lord, I did step away, and look at me, I'm dirty again. And the light so clearly shows us those dirty spots. Jesus comes in and cleanses and wipes away that dirt. And we continue walking in the light once again. And we are cast out because Christ holds us secure in His holiness. Let's pray. Lord, You're so good to us when we don't deserve it. It is just my prayer that we would be encouraged by Your truth here, that You did everything that was necessary to keep us in relationship with yourself. And even though we were wicked, you gave us eyes to see our sin. You drew us unto yourself that we might trust wholly in him. Help us to walk and pattern our lives in the holiness that you would desire of us in your word. And we just thank you that even when we stumble, even though we're not perfect yet on this side of heaven your perfect life and death goes on cleansing us. And that when we run to you immediately, truly remorseful, you will forgive and cleanse. And so we can cherish close relationship with you. Help the students to dwell upon this in the week to come. Help them to think of you and your sacrifice daily. Help them to confess their sins to you immediately, and help them to replace the areas of their life where there might be darkness with actions, thoughts, and words of light. I pray this all in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the More Sure Word Podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Matt Russell. We hope you join us again next week. I'm Riley Whittington. And may God bless you in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ.